Just one uh, kind of quick announcement. On the back of your worship bulletin, uh, toward the bottom, there's a statement about a gift for you. It's out on the table, a Christmas gift from Harriet and myself uh, to uh, members of the congregation. There's an envelope with your name on it, and it's not an Advent calendar, but a Christmas calendar in that envelope. Uh, for the 12 days of Christmas, you open up a little window for each one of the 12 days. There's a little scripture verse and that sort of thing. It's really cute. And so we want you to have that as a Christmas gift from the two of us. We bow our heads and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. So uh, I want to begin with a question. And the question is this. Uh, just take a stab at this. How many different languages do you think are spoken in the entire world? How many different languages? Any guesses? I know I'm catching you off guard. I mean, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. 3,000? Up. Nine. <laughs> okay. It's seven, well, around 7,000. Actually, exactly. 7,111. Now, depending on how you count, it's different, but, but the best number I've seen is 7,111 different languages are spoken around the globe. Next question. Which language do you think is the most spoken language around the globe? Spanish, no. German, no. Pig Latin, no. <laughs> who, who speaks Pig Latin anymore? I don't know. English. English. And right below that is Mandarin Chinese as the second most spoken language. Third would be Hindi. You know, India would be Hindi. And I think fourth is Spanish. Okay. And fifth is French, but who cares? I don't know. Now, don't leave here saying that, that he just dissed France, all right? Um, so so there's, there's all kinds of different languages spoken around the globe, uh, but there is one language which no one on earth can speak unless God gives them the ability to speak that language. We're going to take a look at that tonight in the um, worship bulletin, page 8, our lesson for this evening. We're finishing up Luke chapter 1. It's the longest chapter in the New Testament, remember? We learned that uh, two weeks ago. So, verse 57, Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth, and she bore a son. This was the son predicted by the angel Gabriel, right? Which, you know, Zechariah, her husband, did not believe the words of the angel. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Now that's a nice thing to do. When, when a friend has something to celebrate, you celebrate with them. Share the joy, right? They're being neighborly. They're being uh, like good kinfolk here. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child. And they would have called him Zechariah after his father. Now, from the context, the very next verse, 
we see that that's what they are calling him. I mean, the kinfolk, the neighbors, they're already speaking of him by name as Zechariah after his dad. Right? But his mother answered, and in the Greek language, this is a very strong negation, okay? No, he shall be called John, which is what the angel Gabriel named him. That's actually God naming him because this is not an ordinary birth. This is a miraculous birth. God is intervening here. He's giving the name. And this is odd. Uh, verse 61, and they said to her, I mean, they're actually arguing with mom, right? None of your relatives is called by this name. <laughs> and so they go over her head, right? They made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosed, and he spoke, blessing God. Now we'll come back to that. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about throughout all the hill country of Judea. The grapevine is sort of carrying the news. And all who heard him laid up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? Well, the song that Zechariah will sing informs you of what this child will be. That's what, that's what follows. For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit. And by the way, whenever you see or hear someone being filled with the Holy Spirit, they're getting ready to speak. That's why they're filled with the Holy Spirit. They're going to testify to the Lord. And he prophesied, saying, now, verses 68 through 75 describe the ministry of Jesus. And you'll notice verse 69, uh, he's referred to as a horn of salvation. A horn is... Uh, a, a form of power. It's, it's the power of God, a horn, like a, a large horn on an animal. He's the horn of salvation. So those eight verses, 68 through 75, describe the ministry of Jesus. And then the ministry of John is described, verses 76 through 79. And I would draw your attention to verse 77, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins. In other words, the knowledge of salvation consists of this, forgiveness. The restoration of relationship between God and sinful humanity. God restores the relationship by removing the sin of humanity. He does that, of course, at the cross. He will do that at the cross. But I want to direct your attention back to verse 64. Notice, his mouth was opened. He didn't open it. It's a divine passive, a passive voice verb. He's being acted upon. His mouth is being opened. It's been shut prior. Now it's being opened and his tongue loosed. That is another divine passive. God is the agent. Zechariah is being acted upon. And then finally he's able to speak then he's able to bless or to praise God. That's what it means to bless. It means to praise. 
So he's praising God. He's given this ability. And when I read that verse, I, I, highlight, I had it highlighted because when I read it, it reminded me of what David said in Psalm 51. And this is Roman numeral number one. David says this in Psalm 51, O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. The Lord must open his lips before he can speak or bless God, before he can praise the Lord. He must be given this ability. And Psalm 51 is very penitential. Uh, David has departed from the way of the Lord uh, through his sin with Bathsheba. And so he's acknowledging, he's been confronted with that sin by the prophet Nathan. He's acknowledging his guilt. He's asking the Lord, don't take your spirit away from me. Restore me. Open my lips. And then I'll speak your praise once again. And the same is happening with Zechariah. He's silent. He can't speak anything at all, much less the praise of God, until God gives him that ability. So my question, my next question is this. Why did God have to open their lips? Why is it necessary at all for God to do that? And that brings us to Roman numeral 2. O Lord, open my lips because they're closed by sin. They're closed by sin. It's not just that we cannot praise God. It's that we will not praise God. Apart from Christ, we will not go there. All kinds of things will come out of our mouths apart from Christ, but never the praise of God. We can't speak that language until we are in Christ, until we're connected to him through baptism and through faith in him. Letter A, you brood of vipers. This is, now, this is not John speaking. This is Jesus speaking to the Pharisees. How can you speak good when you're evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And right before that verse, Jesus says this, a bad tree bears bad fruit, but a good tree bears good fruit. First, make the tree good, and then it will bear good fruit. You see, we have to be made good before we can speak good things about God. We have to be made good. And we're made good in baptism. According to Scripture, God, once again, it's, it's a passive thing. He works on us. He makes us new. He gives His Spirit. He gives us new birth. He takes away sin. He gives us new life. All of these things the scripture ascribes to God's work in baptism. And only then are we able to speak praise of God, to bless him in this way. Otherwise, there's no ability to do so. We're silent, just like Zechariah. We're silent. Roman numeral three. O Lord, open my lips, for with you there is forgiveness. With you there is forgiveness. And that takes us back to verse 77. The knowledge of salvation is all about the forgiveness of our sins. Letter A. 
we are liberated from slavery to sin. We're released from slavery to sin. St. Paul writes, we know that our old self, our old nature, has been crucified with him so that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Apart from Christ, all we can do is depart from the way. All we can do, apart from Jesus, is to speak and do those things contrary to his will. It doesn't matter how good they may appear. And we applaud good works. We applaud what we call civil righteousness. It's when, when unbelievers do generous things. These are gifts from God as well. But they're not doing them for the glory of God. They're doing them for some lesser reason than that. You see. And so it's not a good work before God. It's not a good work in His sight, therefore. We're slaves to sin until we are liberated from that bondage. And we have, we who are in Christ, have a new nature. A new nature that is not enslaved to sin. The old nature is still there. It always goes its own way apart from God. But the new nature obeys God and believes God and pleases God by faith. It's not enslaved to sin at all. It's doing good works for God's sake. Number one, no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. We can't confess him as Lord. We can't praise him as Lord apart from the work of the Spirit in our lives. And number two, no one can come to me, Jesus said, unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. No one can come to me unless he's drawn by the Father. That's how dependent on him we are. And I like the way Luther puts it in the third article of the Apostles' Creed. I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ my Lord or come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, enlightened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the one true faith. It's all his doing, you see. If it depended on me or you, we'd always have reason to doubt, but it depends on him and his faithfulness. Therefore, it is sure and it is certain. Letter B, now that we are in Christ, we're able to speak of his mercy so that others might believe so that others might believe. We've been created to praise God. We've been made new in Christ to praise God, not just so that God can hear words of praise to himself, but so that others might hear those words of praise and believe. Number one, have you never read, these are the words of our Lord, from the lips of children and infants, Lord, you have called forth your praise. He calls it forth from you. He speaks words of promise to you, which creates faith and praise in response. And number two, uh, 1 Peter 2, 9, well-known passage, but you are a chosen people. Why? You are a royal priesthood. Why? A holy nation. Why? God's special possession. Why is that? That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. That's why you're in Christ. That's why you've been baptized. That's why the Holy Spirit's enlightened you and called you, so that you might praise him and speak that language which the world knows not, but which the world needs to hear. Now, you know, over the, these three weeks, 
of Advent, these three Wednesdays, we've been talking about a people prepared. And, uh, in, in response to that verse from Luke chapter 1, where uh, the angel Gabriel said to Zechariah that your son, this miraculous birth, your son will go forth in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. And so how are we prepared and for what are we prepared? It all comes down to this. Week one, we said this. The Lord must bring us low. He must bring us low through the ministry of condemnation. That's the law. Why? Because those whom the Lord would lift up and exalt, he must first bring low so that we're never confused as to why we're being exalted. It's not due to our merit. It's not due to our good works. It's due to the merit of Christ and his good works on our behalf. That's why we're lifted up. In week number two, we talked about a people being blessed, a people being lifted up. And how are we blessed? You know, God gives us many things. We mentioned that. But the only gift, the only blessing that truly counts in your life is Jesus Christ. He's what God gives you and what God will never take from you. You know, the Lord gives and the Lord takes. That's Job chapter 1. And every other thing he's given you in this life, he will call back once again, including your life. He'll take it back. And what's left, he'll pass on to somebody else. But the one thing that will not be taken from you, the one blessing that you have which remains with you forever is Jesus. I'm with you always, he said, even to the very end of the age. He's the gift. He's the blessing. And because we're so blessed, we respond in praise. We speak that language of praise which the world cannot speak because we know the one whom the world does not yet know, but which the world needs to know. The Lord brings you low through the law. He lifts you up through the gospel. And through the gospel, he opens your lips so that you can praise him and do what the world can't do, but which the world needs to hear from you and to hear from me. I want you to think for just a moment as we close. I want you to think for just a moment about somebody in your life who has praised God, who has confessed Christ, somebody in your life who has acknowledged who he is and what he's done so that you're sitting here tonight believing in him. I just want to take a moment of silence for you to think about somebody like that whose impact, whom the Lord has used to impact you so that you might join your voice to that chorus of voices praising him for who he is and what he's done. Just take a moment, just silently remember someone who's spoken of the Lord in your hearing. thank you for John, for Zechariah, for Elizabeth and Mary, all of these people on whose shoulders we stand tonight, hearing of you and your praise and joining our voices to theirs. 
in praise of you. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.